All right. Welcome back to the Biblos Network. We are so glad that you have taken the time to join us today. We are enjoying the great blessings of God. God has been so good. We just got out of a great service here in Durham, North Carolina. The Lord moved in a great way. And um, God has been moving over the last several weeks. We've had several receive the Holy Ghost, several get baptized. And I am trusting God that He is doing that where you are. It is a great day to be serving God and to be living for the Lord. And it's an apostolic time in the United States and all over the world. And today, it is a great honor to have here in the studio with us at Biblos, a, a great friend of us here in Durham, North Carolina, and on Biblos, um, our dear friend, Brother Tufik Azar, from Beirut, Lebanon. Welcome to Biblos. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. Yes. Um, it's always a pleasure when I'm able to be with you and, and to see what God's doing in, in Lebanon. Um, and I've been wanting you to be able to come to Durham for a long time since I've been pastor. I know you were here with Brother Godier yes, sir. years ago, um, but we're glad you're here. And we're glad your family came with you. Thank you. It's a privilege. We're happy to be here. Yeah. I was able to be with you. <clears throat> it's been at least a year, maybe a little longer than a year ago, and to see what God was doing. And for those of the, those that are watching this that, maybe are not familiar with Lebanon. Lebanon's a very unique place. Right. It's different than many of the countries around it in that you are in the Middle East, and when people think Middle East, they think Islam, they think um, right. they just have preconceptions. But Lebanon is a mixture of very diverse people. So true. So tell us, if you were going to tell someone about Lebanon that didn't yes. know much about it, what yes. would you say? Well, Lebanon is a very strategic place in the Middle East. It's actually in the heart uh, of the Middle East, right in the center of, of the Mediterranean. So our borders is we are north of Israel, and we are east, and uh, we are west and south of Syria. And so we have Syria on our border and Israel. Hmm. And um, Lebanon is unique in its way that uh, it's the only country in the Middle East among 22 Arabic-speaking nations. Now, you know, in the Middle East, we also have the we have Israel. They speak Hebrews. Then we have Persians and Turkish. They don't speak Arabic. But there's 22 nations that they speak the same language, Arabic. Mm. And each country have their own dialect. <coughs> so Lebanon is strategically positioned where we're able to, as the only country in the Middle East, where we're allowed to evangelize openly, preach the gospel with no government threat. As a matter of fact, we're protected by the law. And uh, we're able to reach the whole Middle East right there from Lebanon. And Lebanon serves as a hub for people from all that region because of its touristic mm-hmm. uh, 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 country, places that we have. You know, it's right on the water, beautiful mountains. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful place, yes. Yeah. So we have people come <coughs> from the Gulf on vacation. It's like a Florida in the, in the U.S. Today. <laughs> so, yeah, this is the place to go when it's time to go on true. vacation. That's true. And so we're able to reach these people right there from from Lebanon. And of course, you know, we have street ministries. We have, we have uh, various social media ministries that we, we reach them. And uh, we've, we've, we're able to reach people from Egypt, from Saudi Arabia. We reach people from uh, Iraq, from uh, Jordan, wow. Thais people, from Syria, uh, Chaldeans, Assyrians, just different groups that they are in that part of the world. This is, when you hear these names, when you hear Persia, the Chaldeans, Assyrians, 
These are very biblical like people and cultures. <clears throat> One of the things that resonated with me is the great work that you guys are doing there. Yeah, I saw you, I saw your children, you were working together and being in church service with you, um, Brother Michael Enzi and uh, Brother Jonathan Vasquez, and um, there were other good men that were there. And you and your family were just preaching the gospel, people coming, worshiping God, the presence of the Lord was there. Um, I can remember the service that I preached I gave a little bit of my family's testimony in escaping from Iran when the overthrow happened back in the early 1900s. And there were people there that had relatives impacted by that. Right. And they immediately identified. Like it was like it happened yesterday. Right. To them. That's right. That's a very, I did, I did not anticipate that. Yes, sir. That's, that's actually, you know, things in the Middle East, they say never dies. That, that's, I was trying to describe what that was like. That's right. To us, it's a hundred years ago, and right. it's a story my great grandfather told. Right. But for them, they, they teach it from generation to generation. As a matter of fact, a lot of a lot <clears> of the different groups they have different an, an annual ceremony to remind them of what happened. Wow. Fifty and hundred years ago. So they try to keep these things alive. Some of them are good. Some of them are not good. But yeah. Uh, that's why I believe a lot of the, some of the people are able to connect real quick with what you were saying. I can stories. see this, yeah. That's right. I was on a plane one time that laid over in Lisbon, Portugal, and there was a group of Azerbaijani um, fighters. They were MMA fighters. Yeah. They had been fighting at a tournament in New York City, and we had flown from New York City to Lisbon. Our layover was in Lisbon. We were going to head on up into Istanbul. And on the plane... They, their uniform said Azerbaijan, which my family has Azerbaijani background. Yeah. And I, I walked up to them. I approached them on the layover, and they looked like me, but they were just shorter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I told them that my family um, was from the Azerbaijani province in Iran. And they looked at me, and I remember the guy said, Your face, yes. Your body, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. And, they hugged me. They draped their flag around me. Yeah. We sat down, and they they told me things about people escaping from the country under that genocide. Yeah, and it it brought tears to my eyes to hear them describe it. And again, it was like it happened yesterday. Right, it's I'll, true. I'll never forget. Yeah, yeah. So so the, you would say it in in the Middle East, it never dies. That's right. <clears throat> what happened, you know, throughout different generations, especially in the from the nineteen hundred throughout. Actually, till 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 now, there've been a lot of a lot of things has taken place. Several genocides in the region, and a lot of shifting of people mm. from Armenia to uh, Iran to Iraq to Syria, and uh, the Kurdish and so forth. All that region has has always shifted, and so uh, something unique about people in the Middle East is they uh, preserve their heritage and their language, and their culture. And yeah. wherever they go to, they keep their communities. So even in Lebanon, like you'll find Chaldean communities, they keep they, they still speak that language. Wow. Same thing with Armenian, same thing with Assyrians, and so forth. So they, they preserve their culture <coughs> and their nationality through language and through uh, uh, keeping their own 
circle and community. That's amazing. There's yeah. so many of them. Right. I think that if the average person from the United States saw that, they, they wouldn't yeah. be able to distinguish. Right. But you said tonight when you were preaching, and you, you preached a great message. Thank you. Great blessing to the, the Lord church tonight. Us. Yeah. <laughs> yes, sir. But you said that you could tell by the cut of a man's beard right. what background or what uh, culture right. he identified with. Right. This is something that you can tell? Absolutely. I mean, you know, especially in, in Lebanon, in some places in, in the Middle East, they, you can tell by the way, the way they wear the hijab, the way the color of the hijab or the shape of the hijab. You can tell what uh, backgrounds they are. Wow. And same thing with men, the way they cut their beard, or uh, cut their mustache, or shave their mustache, grow their beard, and so forth. You can always identify. Uh, to them, it's a cultural and an identity thing. Yeah. And so uh, once once you live in the Middle East and get uh, involved with these groups, you can immediately learn you know, who they are by the way they look. That requires a special man. Oh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Well, I can remember you interacting with so many people. Uh, we were there. We're just Americans, and we're just following you around, and you're just talking and talking and reaching and talking to this guy, that guy, and you're working it out. And I remember thinking, this is a very complicated, oh, from our perspective. Right. I guess right. you you were there until you were 17 years of age. That's right. I grew up. I was born and grew up in Lebanon. <coughs> and uh, I left uh, almost before I was 16, right before I turned 17. I escaped and I, I left to Europe. In Europe, I came to the U.S., came to the truth here, mm -hmm. then went back to Lebanon, took the gospel and the message with me. So here's a question for you. Do you think that coming to the U.S. at that impressionable age gave you a foot in two worlds to understand a Western mindset and then also a Middle Eastern mindset. Were you able to, obviously you're able to operate in both worlds. Absolutely. Um, that's, that's not an easy thing to do. It wasn't, and actually it was very hard to really adapt. Uh, some people do it easily, but I grew up in a civil war, so I've, I've, I remember when I first got married, six months after I was married, my mother-in-law comes and tells me, Tofik, how come you never smile? It kind of dawned on me. I said, I really don't smile, <laughs> you know, and so, because I was so serious. Yeah, yeah. And then I realized that, you know, there, there have been a mold that I grew up in a mold that I, if I'm going to live in this new society, I have to adapt. Mm. And so then you start realizing, start changing, shifting things. But uh, when I went back to the Middle East, you know, I've, I've had to readapt to the things, the way they do things. Yes. And so to be able to be integrated in the society. And uh, that was a process. But it helped me to really work with both worlds, both societies. Uh, and so it, it's, uh, it, does, it, uh, it does take willing, willingness. Yes. You know, and... Uh, a malleability, a flexibility. Right. To be able to step into one, to step into another. Right. right. In, in we deal a lot with the Hispanic community here. And... Um, <clears throat> oftentimes when a man or a woman comes from a third world country, they have, if they're raised in that and they are adult and they, they've been formed, they've been fashioned, when they come into the United States, it is very hard to 
see differently than that third world mindset. Right. But if you take someone that was young when they came, they have a taste of the one world. Yeah. They now come to the United States. They get a taste for that. Yeah. They become a very valuable person in that they're like an amphibian. Absolutely. <laughs> to live on the land and live in the sea. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. Um, so I can see the value yeah. where God would use that. Absolutely. And, you know, he did it with Paul. Paul was, was uh, you know, he, he grew up uh, as a, a Jew, and yet he was exposed to the Romans. You know, he was a Roman. And, yes. And God used these two. Moses. Uh, Moses. Yes. True. You know, when I, when I travel to different places in, in the Middle East, I, I quickly recognize the, 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 uh, how, how, how you have to adapt to be received by the people there. And, and it's amazing. Every country, every community have their own culture and their own. And they love it when you're able to relate to them mm-hmm. or pick up their accent and speak <laughs> like them. You know, so. <laughs> well, you're, you're preaching tonight. You could have been in any English pulpit and minister very effectively. Um, you slide right into a uh, an English style of preaching, yeah. and God uses you greatly there. But I also heard you preach at home. Right. I heard you exhort and preach, and yeah. and I just wondered that that is that is something to, true. to see you jump into both worlds. That is true. <laughs> yeah. You know, our our songs are different. They, mm-hmm. Our our way we worship is different, and. Uh, and that's really you have you have to understand that, especially people who come from different backgrounds, especially if they're coming from a Muslim background. You know, they're very reserved until until they get the Holy Ghost or God moves on and that changes things. But yeah. still it takes a process for them to really let go and uh, and uh, uh, but we've seen the process takes place. And so every people who come from, from different groups in the Middle East, they're not gonna be as as open as they would be here in the U.S. Some of the songs have, they have a story behind them. And so they're not just listening to a song, but they're listening to the story behind it. And then wow. all of a sudden, they have a revelation and then they start singing it and then it enlightens them. And that's a very radically, that, that is a radically different yes. format than what we here in the States would, it's true. It's true. would use. It's true. So Beirut, the country of Lebanon, is a very biblical land. It is. I mean, the scripture speaks of Lebanon. And, you know, one of the highlights of coming there is the cedars of Lebanon from a biblical point of view. But um, there's a lot of interaction that Lebanon had with biblical characters. Right. It's true. So you're walking in Bible land. You are. It's true. But, you know, back then, Lebanon was not the same borders as it is now. Yeah. So we had Mount Lebanon, then you had Tyre, you had Sidon. These were cities, independent cities. Yes. And part of the Galilee went into Lebanon, so before the, the border lines were there. So we do have Cana in Lebanon. Uh, in the Cana. The Cana. Well, they claim it's the Cana because uh, they were digging. They also discovered a, a uh, stone or grape uh, wine mm-hmm. where, where you, they used to make the wine in it. Yeah. And uh, they also uh, discovered one of the uh, caves where the Lord, they, they, they found some, some things in there that they uh, say that the Lord and his disciples used to sleep there and then he would teach from there. And mm. the reason why it's 
is that there's scriptures in the Bible that Jesus traveled between the borders of Sidon and Tyre, where if you look at the map, Cana is kind of right there in the in the middle north of that. Okay. And the sets of the mountains are like an amphitheater. Mm. So when you go there and you stand and you speak, you can speak easily to thousands of people and it's wow. like you're... Wow. So uh, there's a great presence of God every time I go there, I feel that. Wow, wow, wow. Uh, of course, you know, he, he, uh, so he, he, he was in Sidon, in Tyre. Elijah was in, in uh, Sidon. And, uh, he, he, uh, and Jesus did the miracle for the Syrophoenician mm-hmm. woman. Yes. You know, uh, she was Sidonian. Yes, yes, yes. And so uh, also we have the cedars of Lebanon, which, uh, you know, they use them to build the temple. Is this Hiram? King Hiram, yes. Mm-hmm. He would bring them down into Tyre, and from the Tyre he would take them down to uh, the coast, and uh, I believe to Haifa, and then take them to Jerusalem from there. But uh, so there's a lot of lot of biblical uh, places that uh, that you see in Lebanon that the Bible mentions. Yes, uh, we also have a, a city called Biblos. Biblos. I was That's going to right. talk about That's Biblos. Right. We visited Biblos. <laughs> yes, yes. It's a very unique city. It's a- actually, an ancient city. It is an ancient. It's the oldest continuous inhabited city in the world. So people lived in it, and, and it's a very unique place to visit. Yeah, my. Well, it's almost as if God has positioned you in Lebanon as a launching pad. Amen. We believe that. Um, I know one of the great highlights that you were so gracious to help us with was the trip to Egypt. We went to Egypt for a few days and we got to see the pyramids. We got to see the Sphinx and ride the camels. That's right. (laughs) That was a fun part. It was a great part. Um, And then you introduced us to the pastor that was there and, and the good work that's happening there. And he is doing a good work in, in Egypt. Is it, is it in Cairo? He is right south of Cairo. Uh, I would say maybe about, 30 minutes south of the south of Cairo and uh, he's someone that I met back in 2012 met him through our online outreach and uh, we flew into Egypt it was a very difficult time 2012 you know they uh, they had they had a revolution the was the Muslim Brotherhood the Muslim Brotherhood was were on the rise and it was just a very uh, but we went there we felt we needed to go and I met him there and throughout the years I made several trips he came to the truth, saw the oneness of God, uh, and then saw the, the apostolic doctrine. And so uh, uh, two years ago, he asked me to baptize him. So I baptized him and his wife. And uh, it was amazing to see how God started uh, using him and working with him. And so he's taking this message. He's baptizing people in Jesus' name. And people, Several people got the Holy Ghost so far. Mm. And uh, very strong in the doctrine. He had the revelation of the oneness of God and God in Christ, mm. and uh, which is really a, a unique thing. And he's also an Egyptian. So when I go with him, I'm amazed at how he connects with the Egyptians there. Mm-hmm. And how, and that, that tells you, I, as a Lebanese, I could not really connect with them as being an Egyptian. And so this, this, this shows us the emphasism on using nationals in the Middle East. See, that's, a, that's something that people should understand. Yeah. To use a man from the region. Right. You know, you see this. When Jesus cast the unclean spirits out of legion, 
he wanted to go with Jesus. Right. And Jesus told him, go, you stay with your people Absolutely. and show them what great things God has done. Absolutely. And that's a powerful principle. It sure is. The people of your land are going to hear you and understand you in a way right. that no one else will understand. It's so true. It's so true. And that's our vision for <coughs> Lebanon. God had graciously, miraculously give us a beautiful piece of property. And uh, our vision is to plan to build uh, our church headquarters there and our Bible school and also our dorms for all our nationals to bring them from different places in the Middle East. They can stay there, train with us, be involved in our ministry in Lebanon, then send them back. So Beirut, the church in Beirut, and that's what we do on, in February. We have our mission conference in Lebanon. Mm -hmm. So we bring our brethren from Iraq, from Egypt, we bring them to Lebanon and Syrians. And uh, there they are immersed in a, in a powerful camp meeting. Mm. And they're involved in our school, in our street outreach, in our ministry. And so that, uh, and then they go back. And so they're taking what they got from Beirut with them back to their countries. Yes. So Beirut, the church in Beirut, the Apostolics of Beirut has become a model church of what we want to duplicate in this region. So that's really, you can't do that in any other countries because you don't have that freedom. Mm -hmm. But these men can come freely to Lebanon, worship, uh, and then uh, get trained, <coughs> and then they go back. So our vision really, with the help of the Lord, is to start to build that facility, our headquarters in Lebanon, to be a, a center to reach the Middle East. That's amazing. What a blessing. Amen. So you, you pointed out, and I think we were talking about this just a little bit before we came on air. Right that you came to God in the United States. Is that right? That's true. And so the United States in the end times is almost serving as a, a melting pot. That's not the right word. It's, it's bringing in every culture. Right. And in bringing them in, they are being exposed to the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's true. And then they go back. Oftentimes they, they get the message, they get discipled into the truth, right. and then they go back. It's true. And that's one of the great strengths. You know, there's a lot of people, and it's tough because a political issue in our day is building the wall on the southern border, yeah. don't let people in, um, or maybe come in the legitimate immigration route so that you're not illegally immigrating. Right. But the spiritual side yes. is let them come, let them receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right. And let them go and evangelize their nations. Absolutely. Which which is happening. And you are a case in point of this. Absolutely. That's the truth. And 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 it's almost as if Lebanon is serving as a little bit of a small right. replica Absolutely. of that. That's so true. <laughs> that is so true. You know, I, I came here and I lived here and I I came to the truth, got baptized in Jesus' name, was filled with the Holy Ghost and had a great pastor and just I got the word, got disciplined. And then the f second six months later, I wanted, after I got the Holy Ghost, I wanted you know to go back to Lebanon. So I went back, wow. baptized my brothers, my mom. They received the Holy Ghost. And uh, every time I go back to visit, I'm sharing the gospel with different people there. Until I, I never planned to go back to Lebanon to start a church there till years later. And, uh, and so that's the power. That's, that's really the, should be the vision of the churches in America. Boy, that's it. Uh, that evangelizing the world. That's it. Because they're all around us. We just uh, sent a woman into Kenya, and we planted a church in Chimatich. So 
in Kenya and just this exact thing. Yeah. You know, we can build a church there for pennies on the dollar. Yeah. And she has this burden and she helps to support it and she is our point of contact. And there's there's many, many people coming to God just from this Kenyan woman Absolutely. who has a burden for her people. Absolutely. Um, so here's a question. You mentioned that um, the pastor there south of Cairo, that he received the revelation of the oneness of God. When you're dealing with people from a Middle Eastern background, do you find that they easily accept the doctrine of the Trinity? Or when you bring oneness to them, do they go, yes, do I? Because my grandfather always said that the Middle East will gravitate to the oneness of God. Always. Versus right. the unnatural construct of the it's Trinity. True. It's true. Have you found this to be true? Absolutely, we did. One of the things that really has been uh, astonishing to many of the Muslims is when they found out that we believe in one God. Numerically one God. Numerically one God. And when, when they ask, well, who's Jesus? Who's that? Jesus is the Spirit of God in flesh. Because the Quran sp- says that the Spirit of God came upon Mary and she was a virgin. Mm. And so does the Bible. You know, she was pregnant by the Holy Ghost. Mm-hmm. And so who's Jesus? You know, he was God and he was man. You know, God in man. And, uh, and so that, that had really brought down, as a matter of fact, I was witnessing to a person from Iran and was telling him, because he always, he, he loves God, but he did not really know who he is. Well, when I uh, kind of dissected, told him how, how it is, and the Quran testifies about that, the Bible speaks about it, that guy, he got the revelation of who Jesus is. Wow. And so uh, this, this is a great tool for us, especially, you know, as apostolic that we have several things in common with Muslim people. That statement right there. I, I have said that. Yes. I have said that apostolics need to be leading the charge, not Trinitarians. Right. Apostolics are Abraham's children. Absolutely. <laughs> we need to be the tip of the spear. So true. So true. And this is what we've used in the Middle East. <clears throat> now, the amazing things about them is that the Muslim people are very dedicated people. They're, they're majority of them are, are God-fearing people, you know, they're, uh, uh, they love God, and they're very disciplined in their beliefs, uh, their lifestyle. So that's one of the things we have in common with them, that we believe in one God. Now the difference is his identity, who okay. he is. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, where we bring the Lord Jesus. And uh, The second thing is we have in common with them is our standards, our holiness. Holiness, that- you know, like like they they're shocked when they come to our churches and they see our women dressed holy. They don't cut their hair. They identify with they us. They identify with us. As a matter of fact, you know, some of the things we have, you know, that they uh, we we have Muslim converts that came in. They're just you can tell. Do you think they're apostolic and all their lives? You know. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so that's that they love that about us. That's amazing because here in the United States, the the U.S culture is very antagonistic towards holiness and modesty yeah but when you go to the middle east right i remember standing outside of a a jewish school in jerusalem and the doors open and uh, about a hundred girls came running out and it looked like we were at conference yeah yeah this long hair modest clothing they're laughing running right we fit right in it's true and i thought wow this feels nice i like this absolutely and in a similar dynamic um, yeah. Modesty and holiness is a way of life. That's right. You know, they abstain from alcohol. We do too. 
So there's a lot of things that, that we can uh, connect with them on, on, on some basis. So some of these walls have already mm-hmm. are torn. And we found out that the key to witness to Muslims, you can't come really and give them a Bible study because they don't believe the Bible. Right, so they're operating from the Quran. Exactly. And there are several places in the Quran where they point out that Jesus is God, is the Spirit of God, was manifest. Mm. And so, uh, and they believe that Jesus did miracles, a lot of miracles. The Quran says that. And so, uh, when we approach a Muslim, our first, our first point of approach with them is this, is there anything we can pray with you about? Mm. Jesus does miracles. Well, that immediately connects with them. And you'll be surprised of how many people, they, when, when we, we came in, we have people come to our church, come to our school, and sometimes we see, if we see somebody, my wife see a, a mother that's really struggling or sad, she comes start talking to her, said, well, let's pray about it. There's something beautiful about Jesus that every time you mention his name, he shows up. Mm. He said, when two or three are gathered in my name, they are in their midst. So when we're praying, we've seen, we've seen God heal them. We've seen them weep under the presence of God. Wow. We've seen a woman had a tumor healed, came back. Mm. And so phenomenal things happen when you step in faith and you start praying with, with a Muslim in the name of Jesus. And when they feel the presence of God, they realize that, hey, there's something real here. This wow. is not just religion. And then s- this will tear down some walls with them. And, uh, and then when God gives them, when they come to the truth, the realization that he's the true God, mm-hmm. it changes everything. So we often get asked, how do you witness to a Muslim person? And you are saying one of the keys is prayer. Right. And God and it's almost as if God is saying, I know they don't accept my word at this time. Right. So I will manifest myself to them. Absolutely. I, I've read of testimonies where he, the Lord is revealing himself to Muslim people in dreams. Um, almost like almost like Paul and, and Ananias and Cornelius and Peter. Just very, very biblical book of Acts kind of manifestations, supernatural manifestations, right. almost like God is overcoming the fact that they do not look to the Bible yet. Right. And it's very New Testament. It is. It's, it's the book of Acts. We've had several people. We had one of our, our converts in Lebanon was a, a sister who, who came to uh, our school. She learned that there's a school taking registration for kids for free and they just came from Syria into Lebanon, and she uh, was filling up the registration. I was helping my wife fill it up, and she looked at me. She said, uh, you all have a church here? I said, yes. She said, can I come? I said, absolutely, Sunday, 11 a.m. Well, when she came Sunday, she came with her husband and her two little children. I, I looked, and she's lifting her hands and worshiping and crying. And I thought, surely she's been in church because most of the time when Muslim comes to our church, they're really reserved until they start feeling the presence of God. But mm-hmm. this, this woman, I looked, she, she's weeping in the presence of God and lifting her hands and worship. So uh, we went after service, my wife and I, to talk to her and uh, said, uh, can we visit you at home? That's something we do in Lebanon. We get to know where they live. We go to their homes. And anyway, we went to her home. I was asking her, I said, I saw you worshiping God in the church. I said, 
have you been to a church before? He just wanted to know what's her experience. She said, no, this is actually the first Christian church that I entered. Wow, wow. I said, but I saw you lifting up your hands. And she told me, well, uh, we were in Syria. And uh, ISIS was getting close to our area. ISIS. ISIS. And that was in 2014. And uh, she said, uh, we didn't know where to escape to. We're going to try to go to Turkey. And uh, she said, that night I went up on the roof and I cried out to God. I said, I called, I said, help me, give me direction. And she said that night in a dream, she saw a person uh, wearing white and his face lit up, came to her and there was clouds all mm. around him. Mm. And she said, at first I was frightened. And I said, who, who are you? I said, I'm Jesus, the one who you called for. Oh my goodness. And she said, and she said, I heard your cry and I came and I'm going to help you and everything is going to be all right. And she said, when he came close to me, I felt his presence was so strong. Mm, mm, mm. And she said, she opened his hand and in his hand there was a piece of uh, a fish made of wood. Mm. And so when she reached out to it to take it, she woke up and she was in tears. Wow. So she said, the next day, her brother came from Lebanon to visit them, and he brought her the same, he brought her a gift, it was the same piece of uh, fish that she saw wow. in the dream. So she told her husband, we need to go to Lebanon. So she came to Lebanon, find our, our school, and she came to service, and she said, when I came to service, the same feeling I felt in the dream. Oh. I was feeling at the church. <laughs> Make the story short, she got baptized, got the Holy Ghost, her kids got baptized, and just bye, bye. her husband got baptized, just, you know. And so God heard her cry. She didn't know him. Mm. She called for the... I'm the one you called for. Exactly. Ah. God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob <laughs> came to her. <laughs> oh, my. And that's one of mm. the stories of, of hundreds and thousands. Yeah. We have a woman from Saudi Arabia that had a dream and ended up coming to Lebanon, getting baptized, and... Something beautiful is when they know him, and they, when he, they see him, they know him. They're attached to him. Wow, I, that that's <laughs> that's one of the greatest things I have heard. God is so good. Boy, he is so good. Well, I love that. I love the work that's happening. Um, you know, the opening of the Christian school yeah. there, the second location of the church. You're you're potentially going to be expanding into Iraq, amen. And um, was it was it Baghdad that you were going to try to go to? Was it northern Iraq? Northern Iraq. As a matter of fact, we are sending our first missionary, national missionary, okay, from Lebanon to Iraq. Thank you, Jesus. So he's going to be a full time. He's going to work. Uh, he's proven himself in Lebanon over the last years. Soul winner gives Bible studies. And uh, when God dealt with me about sending him, I prayed and I said, God, if you want me, let him come and ask me. And the next week he came and asked me, God, oh dealing my. with me. So yeah. God is prepping men, you know, that are willing to go and take the gospel to this region. So he's going to be our first missionary that we sent from Beirut. Amen. Well, Brother Azar, that is exciting. Amen. Thank that you. Good. Thank you for coming on Biblos today and sharing some of these testimonies. Thank you for ministering here in Durham with us. Oh, Thank you for the opportunity. It was my honor and privilege. Um, several of our listeners are going to have Arabic friends, perhaps friends that are out of the country, uh, maybe someone that is not Christian, maybe they are Muslim, 
and they want to reach them, they want to help them, but maybe they don't speak the language. Maybe there's a barrier they can't reach. Right. Um, and I know you have material that's online. You have YouTube services where you're preaching in Arabic and you're reaching out to everybody. Right. And you're doing a, a, such a capable job. Is there anything you would like to say in Arabic to those people so that maybe someone could take a link, someone could take a link and sh- send it to their friend? Is there a message you could give them to point them to some of your material online? Absolutely. I would love that. أحب إني شجع الجميع كل شخص عم يسمعنا على ال على البيبلوس نتورك إذا في عندك عطش بقلبك وإذا كنت بحاجة إنك تعرف الحق أنا بشجعك كتير إنه تروح للويب سايت تبعنا في هي الأيوبيروت.com فيها كتير مقالات بالعربي ممكن تقرأهم وأيضا إذا بتحب إنك تسمع أحد الوعظات أو التعليم في عنا صفحات على اليوتيوب للأبوستوليكس أوف بيروت وأيضا على الفيسبوك للأبوستوليكس أوف بيروت وإذا عندك أي سؤال بتحب تتواصل معنا بليز ابعث لنا رسالة على الفيسبوك ماسنجر ونحن أيضا متصل فيك ونحب إنه نحكي معك بصلي إنه ربي يبارككم وشكرا على هالفرصة وثانك يو سو ماتش فور ذيس أوبرتشونيتي آمين ثانك يو فور كومينغ اون إتس بين إتس بين بليجر إتس ماي 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 بريفليج And I hope this has been a blessing to you. I hope you take it. If you have friends that are Muslim, if they are Arabic, show this to them. Send them a link. Let's spread this gospel all around the world. And so take it with you, and I hope it's a blessing to you. And until next time, God bless you, and God keep you, and God cause his face to shine upon you. Amen.